Welcome to Market Scale Transportation. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with Rick Trunkett, the president for Big Three Racing. Rick, how are you today? Uh, pretty good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Do me a favor. Tell me about your your journey. How'd you wind up at Big Three? Well, this was an idea that me and my partners had when we were actually in high school in auto tech class together. Um, and then from there, we uh, formed a friendship and played around with cars and broke stuff and figured things out and destroyed things. Um, we moved on to college and we went to the University of Northwestern Ohio, uh, which is like a tech school that had a high performance uh, automotive and racing you know, program that we took. Um, and we roommate, me and my partners roommated there and lived together and continued our racing and car habit, I guess you could say, or hobby, you know, uh, where we, we filled up our, our little two-car garage that we had at the house we, we rented there. And then we finished up with college, moved back and into our, with our parents and had nowhere to put all of our tools and stuff and cars and everything that we accumulated. So we rented a little building, um, a little 3,000 square foot, like uh, industrial, like, I guess, unit or whatever. And, you know, we always... So we'd call ourselves Big Three Racing, and Big Three meaning the Big Three automotive manufacturers, you know, GM, Ford, and Chrysler. Um, that's what we like was American V8 muscle cars, you know, and uh, we started that. That was, and that was 11 years ago. So, um, and here we are. You know that you bring up an interesting, an interesting word. You started out, you said, as, as sort of a hobbyist or an enthusiast. How successful do you have to get to where you stop calling it? a hobby and you realize that you're really good at something and it's actually a career. Well, we, we, we always had that little big three racing and, and I guess our technical uh, name of the business was big three automotive as we just did general repair and, and stuff like that starting out. Um, you know, it took a lot of uh, learning and, and you get, this is one of those things that there's no for sure answer on anything. So you just figure it out, you know, especially with these newer cars. I guess I'd like to say we got really serious on the uh, the performance or race car part of it probably about year three or four in business. Um, and that's when we really started hitting it home where we got a, like a chassis dyno, which is a piece of equipment that allowed us to measure horsepower and torque at the rear wheels uh, or front wheels or whatever, drive wheels of the vehicle. Um, and that's when it kind of really took off. You know, it went from, you know, being 90% general repair and 10% of race car performance stuff. So now we're at 95% race car high performance stuff, 10% repair, you know, it's just kind of a, a transition. Um, as you do more, you, you, you get a reputation for it and, you know, you do bigger, better, make more horsepower, go faster. And, and, you know, I guess it depends on, you know, I guess we're professionally doing it since we tried starting it. Right. You know, what's really cool is you found, something at an early age that some people go maybe their entire lives and they never f find it. And you found the thing that you really should be doing and you found it in high school. That's really cool. Oh, I, I knew I want to do this since I've been 10 years old. I've been a subscriber of hot rod magazine and card craft since I was 10. I'd make my mom sign me up for it because she got sick of buying me the magazines when we'd go to the drugstore, you know? So I, this is actually, I knew I wanted to do this. I had, bicycles and mopeds and mini bikes and you know i always liked cars and, and and my current race car that i have i had as my first car i had it when i bought it when i was 15 
bought a car that didn't run before I bought a car that ran, you know, um, which, which now just like, I, you know, that I'm old enough where I have uh, nieces and nephews that are starting to go off to college and, and family. And, and you start realizing that it, it was natural for me because I knew what I wanted to do. There was never a question. It was a path that I, I took and I did everything I could to take that. And to me, it doesn't feel like, well, don't you have a passion that you want to work towards? And a lot of people don't, you know, they don't even know what they want to do when they get to in high school. So I guess I'm lucky. <laughs> you get to see the industry literally from the inside. You go inside the thing that is the heart of the industry and you're able to take that thing apart, examine it, and you're able to see trends before any of the rest of us even know that those trends exist. What have you seen over the past couple of years that makes you think things are headed in the right direction? So for us, like, you know, everyone's talking green, right? And then fuel economy and stuff like that. We're actually seeing, I don't want to say, I'm not saying the fuel economy because that's, um, but there were the horsepower world's wars that were in the muscle car era of the 60s and the 70s is like even crazier right now. Um, all for every, all these fuel efficient and hybrid cars and everyone that, that, that people think that that's going on. The manufacturers are pumping out some crazy high performing cars. Um, and not just with American cars, the Japanese cars, the, uh, the German cars. Uh, and that's, what's driving the excitement around it. You know, um, we, we see it, we see it firsthand. Like, uh, we get the brand new cars, you know, um, when the, the Dodge Challenger Hellcat come out, you know, we had one where we, we strapped it down to a chassis dyno when it was the first one in town to see how much horsepower they really did make. Uh, the new Corvette Z06 is. We have a customer with the new Dodge Demon, which is a, a factory car that, that has 840 horsepower. And and the crazy part of it is that the technology that's there, these cars are able to go fast and make this kind of power as well as meet emission standards and pretty good fuel economy, you know. Uh, when a, a new Corvette still gets 25 to 26 miles a gallon cruising on the highway, that's pretty awesome. So do you find it a challenge uh, that you're happy to take on to take a a factory vehicle and try and find a way to make it faster, stronger? Or is it getting a little harder for you to to take because the thing's already so powerful? Are you finding that you're getting to the limits of what can be done? No, and that, that's the, that is the crazy part. Um, you know, the, the old saying goes, is like, you know, the engineers want it one way and then the accountants want it another. So it's kind of like a, a, uh, a balance that the manufacturers have where the engineers, this is the best way to do it, but it's not the cheapest way to do it. it whatever it is inside the engine or performance. Um, so when we get our hands on it, we're able to pretty much use that engineer's vision of making it the best it possibly can, uh, upgrades with the exhaust system, upgrades within, within the, the factory superchargers or the turbochargers. Um, we're seeing simple simple modifications that could be done to these cars, and we're seeing big, big power increases in most cases, you know, um, because you're just taking out what the, what the manufacturer had to put in a, a, a mainstream thing, a, a certain part to make it cheaper and, and easier. And it's not necessarily the best type of part, you know, exhaust systems being one of the biggest things, air inductions, you know, where the air filters go and, and things like that. And on top of that, they also need to be able to be quiet enough for an 80 year old, 80 year old grandma to drive in and not complain. Right. So um, by actually putting free or flowing exhaust and things like that, we're seeing big, big power increases. ECU reflashes, you know, for off-road use, we're seeing big, big 
increases 50, 60, 80 horsepower with a factory's rating with uh, very simple, modest modifications. Um, they could always be better. We have not seen a car yet that's came through the doors that has been the biggest high, best high-performing car that couldn't be better. It's kind of cool that somebody brings something in as a challenge to you and you get to say, okay, fine, I'll take that challenge. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's, it's pretty cool tearing a brand-new car apart. <laughs> All right, now let me ask you this question at the other end. Have you gotten into a situation ever where you realize, oh man, we could really accomplish something just crazy over the top, and then you had to decide, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. That's just too much? Uh, a, a daily basis. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes people's, uh, I guess, expectations and their budget don't normally match. Uh, and that's our, that's how far our industry goes. That's probably the biggest challenge, you know, that it's easy to buy a $60,000 car and add and, and say, I want to do this, this, and this. And I want to be the fastest, greatest, and best. And then when you tell them it's $60,000 to double the price of the car to do that, you know, eh, I guess you maybe shouldn't do that, you know, or boy, do I really want to avoid a warranty on my brand new car, you know? And then there's people that have disposable income that say, yeah, let's do it. I don't care. The toy, you know? What's your favorite? What is your one favorite? Without giving away the secret sauce, what's your one favorite trick? Just something you love pulling out that just feels cool when you accomplish it. Uh, we have that, uh, that that chassis dyno where it allows you to strap a car down. You know, there's similar to an emissions dyno that you'd see if you, depending on where you're from. You know, that's got little rollers. Um, that's probably the most. That, that's probably the most exciting part uh, when when customers come in or that I like seeing is that we're able to do a baseline where we, we see what the horsepower and the torque is when the car comes in. And, you know, we, we do some uh, computer remapping and after our modifications and seeing that increase. That's like the that's like the trick or that's like the, the climax of the whole story. You know, when they get your car back and like, oh, my God, and you could feel the difference, but now you could see the difference. Is there any projects or products that you're working on that you can tell me about? We are working on uh, the new new Hellcats right now. Uh, which is that factory supercharged Dodge Challenger and Charger. Uh, we also are playing around with the new Z06 Corvettes and Z01 Camaros, which are this factory supercharged uh, Corvette and Camaro. Um, and we've been really starting to dabble in the new Mustangs as well. Uh, the new Mustangs are, are really killer and, and react to simple modifications. Um, I guess some of the, you know, another thing that we go along with is that we're taking all this new technology that's available in these new cars and we're integrating them into older muscle cars. Um, that's another part of our business. That's real popular. Uh, taking an old Chevelle and putting a new modern Corvette engine and transmission and, and chassis underneath it. So you could have the best of both worlds, all the good stuff. Remember versus all the crazy stuff. Remember if you're one of the engineers, what's the one thing that you change on cars coming out of the factory? Would it be heat dissipation? Um, they do the, the newer cars are, are doing a really good job at it, but yeah, th that's that is it. You know, it would be heat dissipation on the factory force induction cars. Keeping the the what they find is that the performance is not consistent with them as you use the car for its intended purposes. Every time it has a cycle, right one or right after another, it drops power because of the heat. If we had a we did three back to back pulls on the chassis dyno, we would see on some of these cars a 40 to 50 horsepower decrease in power one right after another. Wow. Um, so the, the factory, like, it, you know, and again, this is where it comes to being an engineer versus the accountant. You know, 
the horsepower rating sells the car. The car's still fast. It still performs one out of, you know, those three times really great. Um, and it, there's a small percentage in, what, in the overall scheme of things, and that's the people that we cater to that want to make it better. Let's talk about some of the things that are on the horizon. Specifically, um, I know you uh, you guys are keeping an eye on direct injection. Um, I know that factory supercars are just a love for you guys there at uh, Big Three. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. And I believe you're also uh, doing some work with torque-based tuning. Talk to me about those things. Oh, two two things which have uh, hit hit the market pretty hard, uh, mostly the new Corvettes, the C7. Uh, they're the way that – and the new Mustangs. And most of the new GMs are using torque-based tuning, where it's not so much just air and sp- fuel and spark. It's driver demanded torque to how much torque it allows us to put out and uh, those tables need to be right and in some cases uh, if you could think of a a table you know a 2d table or a matrix or whatever you would want to call it um, that uh, of all these numbers of how much pedal position versus how much power that's supposed to give you versus how much that it actually allows it to give uh, you know and then modifying the engine to having increased torque numbers and it throwing all it's doing all those numbers it takes the tuning part of it where it used to be a pretty simple process um, and making it harder <laughs> you know it's no longer as simple as it used to be it's now the torque the torque based tuning is 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 a uh, is for most people mind numbing you know and and it's uh, definitely been a learning curve for us and a lot of the other guys out there um, but it's just one of those things that you have to figure out yeah these days you almost have to have a degree in computer science to to do the tuning and all the tweaking that you want to do yeah yeah, it's a, and the thing of it is, it's not like uh, the engineers that from the manufacturers don't give this information out. Yeah, you have to figure it out. You know, there's tables in these softwares that don't have any definitions, so you have no idea what they're doing. You know, and it is a uh, a trial and error base that gets started. You know, and and uh, that's part of the fun, though, right? It's part of the fun, part of the aggravation. You know, it's part of, the, but the, and and that's where it comes into. Uh, just being a good person and, and networking and, and uh, having a, a good amount of smart people in your corner, you know, uh, we're, we're the presence that we don't know what we know. We don't know everything, you know, and we know we're going to learn and we have to sometimes put your ego aside and ask for help and being able to have a, a, a good team of uh, other experienced tuners around the country that you could talk to and shoot ideas off of is key. That's something that's very interesting about the industry is that it's a highly competitive industry, but man, there's an awful lot of assistance and help that everybody's willing to give everybody else. Yeah. So it's, it's actually, uh, there is a lot of, there's a lot of good help and there's a lot of bad help. <laughs> so the internet has, has, has wreaked, uh, has done a lot of good for this industry and a lot of bad for this industry. Um, and it's also very secretive. So the people that really, really know, sometimes they don't, they want to know and that they want to be that guy, which means they're the only people that know. Um, it's important that, that, you know, there's times where you reach out to somebody and they'll purposely give you the wrong information because they don't want you getting caught up to them, right? Right. For us, it's that we're, we're not like that. Um, we we have a, some some key people that that we help that we help out, and they have the same key people that, that help us out. And we keep each other, you know, best interest because there's plenty of work to go around, and there's not like a, a speed shop in every corner, right? So, uh, you know, this is a not mostly a local thing. We we networked everybody all around the country, you know, and help each other out. 
uh, and and once you you gain a good relationship, almost a friendship, and you help one for you help them out, then issue they help you out, then issue. That's 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 how this goes around, right? Um, but there is a lot of people that don't want to help, <laughs> so you know they keep the information themselves once they figure out. Which I understand that, that some people consider it their trade secret, you know. I think uh, it's better for an industry as a whole is if we share information with each other, you know, um, and not necessarily use it against each other either, uh, because at the end of the day, that gives a better product. There's an important word in the name of the company, and that's the word racing. And that's where I want to go for the final question today. What's your favorite style? What race do you want to be in if you're behind the wheel of a car? Uh, Drag racing, hands down. Really? Not even not even hesitation? Nope, not even hesitation. Now, do you want to do one of the big John Force type drags, or you're talking about a stock modified drag? So we we I actually do a lot of heads up drag racing with factory style suspension vehicles. Um, mostly like there's like so many different classes of drag racing, and I think that would be a killer to get behind the wheel of a top fuel cart. Uh, watching on on TV doesn't really excite me though, um, but it, being in up and personal, what we do is is uh, is you. You know, it's, it's wrong with you wrong and hope you brought enough. And you're limited by the size of the tire and and uh, your ability to make that car with a whole lot of horsepower make it down the track. Uh, and that's the type of racing that interests me. That's the most exciting to me um, because that, that tire and the driver is the deciding factor. Not so much. And, and, you know, obviously money and technology and everything goes through it. But you really have to think outside the box and try different things to fit within these rules and make the car go really fast. It's, uh, it's an exciting time right now to be involved in that type of racing. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. When's the last time you actually ran out of gas in your personal car just driving around? How long has it been? Oh, probably a year. <laughs> so probably probably a year. I'll cut that out. I won't let anybody know that that happened to you because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, throw you under the bus like that. Yeah, for sure. Today, I've had the opportunity to have a conversation with Rick Trunkett. He's the president of Big Three Racing. Rick, thanks so much for taking the time today, man. It was really cool. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.